Welcome everybody once again to the Liberation Frequency brought to you live from Beaches Road Studio in South London. It is March 2014. I'm your host, Dennis Jose Francois, and once again in the studio I have with me Dan Collicott. Evening. Imran Mirza. Hello. And Gavin O'Reilly. Hello. On this episode, we're looking at the present and future of film, how we enjoy movies at the cinema, how the whole business of making films has changed, and what might be in store for us in the future. But before we do that, let's do this. I'd just like to remind listeners before we start that you can still find us on our website, liberationfrequency.co.uk, on Facebook, Liberation Frequency UK, and on Twitter, at LF Magazine, or you can send us an email to podcast at liberationfrequency.co.uk. And without further ado, let's now do that. It feels like the band is back together. Hello. Um, hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> It's been such a long time since we've had Gavin here. Gavin. Hi. Yay. I put some some crowd noises in. Applause. Okay. All right. So let us start. Shall we start with Gavin? Gavin, what have you been up to since the last time you were here? Up to about a month ago, like last month you were here. Uh, Okay. So you're not giving me the year. No. No. (laughs) Because I could be here a while. Yes. I've been catching up on the wire. I say catching up, but I've just been slowly plodding my way through. Okay. I'm now on series four. So you're watching the wire. Has anybody else yes. watched the wire? Some of it. Never seen any of it. See, I started watching the wire and I couldn't really get into it. It's because I don't really like cop dramas of really any kind. That's not really going to help. No, um, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's no. definitely Although quite cop centric. I, I do recognize because I've seen the occasional episode. I do recognize it's a good TV show, but here's the thing, right? The Wire was like la- the last generation, I mean, that's a bit strong, was like last decade's Breaking Bad, wasn't it? People who watched The Wire were just so like, oh my God, yeah. it's the best thing ever on television! <laughs> right? <laughs> Except... I have, never, I have never heard a detractor. Right. It's never been somebody... Except, oh, unlike, unlike Breaking Bad, The Wire was really around in... in in a time where it wasn't so easy to get stuff off Netflix, Love Film, BitTorrent, whatever. So I think less people have seen it for that reason. You know what I mean? Whereas Breaking Bad had this like sort of whirlwind effect and everybody could just grab it off, off the internet somehow. But I think it was the start of the old uh, DVD box set binge, wasn't it? That and 24, I reckon. Yeah. Maybe The Sopranos. <laughs> so in your opinion... Is it worth the hype? Um, I It took a while to get into. I think it definitely kicks off by the end of season two, but that's quite a big investment in time to get into something. Um, if it was aired now as a new show, I don't think it would have the same... Okay, is that because... Impact. It's longer story. See, one of the things... I watched the, quite slow. I watched the first episode and a bit of the second episode. And the, the very first thing I couldn't get on board with was the idea that this police precinct, barely they barely knew how to use computers. Do you know what I mean? Of course, that first episode was shot in 1999. I'm not sure. Not to say that they didn't have computers <laughs> then, but it was more believable that... That there might be, you know, cops in an in an underprivileged, low financed district in somewhere in suburban USA 
that doesn't have the funding to have the latest technology. So it's probably quite realistic in that regard. But it doesn't work in 2014. You know what I mean? So and that I, that didn't connect for me. Mm. So what did you think of it, Dan? Uh, as you said, very slow going. Um, I only watched the first season, which I, I definitely got something out of. By the time I got to the second series, I remember moving house, which kind of interrupted my binge viewing. And then I kind of forgot about it. And any kind of series that you forget about, I kind of feel, well, it couldn't have been that great. But that might be doing it a disservice. And it's hard, hard to go back is. when you've broken the... It's interesting, though, yeah. because we've recently experienced that with another TV series, which, well, you know, so we've been watching Arrow. And I started watching it and then put it to the side and kind of forgot about it and watched other things, went through Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and the rest of it. And then I kind of forced Gavin to watch up to where I was with it. Yeah, well, and I, had, I had a long-haul flight, so I watched, like, eight episodes. In one go. And, and then since then, so in the last three weeks or four weeks, we've watched the rest of season one. We actually watched the last episode of season one last night. It's great, I have to be honest. It's far, great for a given value for that kind of TV show, okay? Please don't write in with your comments like you did <clears throat> about S.H.I.E.L.D. So I have to... In fact, at this point, I'm going to say... There are people out there who are disappointed because we said we watched or liked Shield, oh, even thought, though we didn't even give it a good review. I so, thought you were going to say people that loved it said no, they weren't happy with our no, review. No, no, no. People who dislike it, and you know who you are, are more than one person. Wow. Who dislike it so much that they were disappointed with us <coughs> for even giving it as much credit as we did. Anyway, <laughs> we we we've caught up with Arrow. I wasn't caught up. We caught up at the end of season one, and that's something that we left. And I was thinking, oh, I can't be bothered. But it's actually quite good. It's worth watching. It's significantly better than Shield, right? It's still a throwaway TV show. Let's make no mistake about that. I need to ask a question. Mm? Is Arrow a derivative of Smallville? No. Isn't it? No. For some reason, I I, I thought that. Oh, oh, is no, it, it's is not it? the same guy. So Green, uh, Green Arrow not, is in Smallville. The character. The character is separate. in Smallville, ju- played by not. Justin Hartley. But it's not Justin Hartley playing Arrow. And it's not. Show. It's not in any way the Smallville universe. No. Uh, no. Well, it's the DC universe. Yeah. But, but they're not. not tying it into the small. No. It's no, no because I, in Smallville, Oliver Queen, it's Queen Industries, and this is Queen Consolidated, and they've changed it to. So it's a different version. See, I, I thought it was like a Smallville no, spin-off. No, 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 not at is all. Is there any reference not to other DC characters at all? Like, uh, yes, yeah. yes, and I know in season two that the Flash comes into it, and you know various other characters come into it. In season one, they've definitely got an array of DC villains, minor ones, but they are. You know, you could, if you look them up, they're... Yeah. they're, they're but, you know, Huntress is kind of... Well, she's on the line of good and bad. Yeah, but so Huntress is a major character. character. They've definitely done a setup for Black Canary. I know The Flash comes into it in season two. Um, but it's actually quite good. And, and this is what I want to say. And I, I feel because they're in season two now, and we've seen up to the end of season one, season one is completely available on Love Film streaming, by the way, if you've got Love Film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, at, basically, at the end of season one, it's a, what I call an Empire Strikes Back ending. Wow. You know, it doesn't end well. (laughs) Without spoiling it, it doesn't end well. Like in about three or four four different ways. (laughs) And and it's funny because right up to the last minute you think, oh yeah, they're just going to solve it. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. No, it's quite a bad ending actually. (coughs) Yeah. So, um, so and I like it just for that alone. But anyway, so um, Imran, what have you been up to? Well, following on from the television theme, last time we were here, I had 
been three episodes into season one of Breaking Bad. Right. I'm now three episodes into season three. Whoa! Breaking so Bad. you've been hardcore. I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. It would be more, but we did discuss watching shows with partners last time. Oh, and did, um, yes. that being a hindrance <laughs> to the amount you would be consuming. Because I would have finished it by now. Yeah, but, and um, I'm with you, brother. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm, I'm three seasons into season three. three. Wait. Three episodes into season three. Um, yes, and it, it's pretty awesome. Right. It's pretty, cool. pretty awesome. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Mm. Oh. So, Dan, what have you been up to? Well, I might as well riff on the same theme. So, I've just come to the end of Boardwalk Empire. Okay. I wanted to watch Boardwalk Empire. In fact, we've got it. I've got it. Oh, it's on my love film reservation list, but it's just another TV series on top of so many others to watch. Is it good? It is. Uh, I mean, it's got absolutely excellent acting, scripting, but it's quite long. It's I wouldn't say it's boring, but it's I, I sometimes find it quite hard to get through. There's a part of me, because I know it's similar to The Wire, even even Breaking Bad, I think. It, does, it, it progressively kind of gets better, right. and people keep telling me this, and you can sort of tell that a lot of, a lot of the main story arcs are yet to be conceived. So some of it, I'm just kind of... I, I don't really feel it. I want them to get to the more interesting stuff that I that I kind of already have a sense of is going to happen. Right. But, you know, it's definitely worthwhile. How many, how many episodes in a season? Oh, I don't know, actually. Because the, the thing I kind of struggle with now is... And we spoke about this in the last podcast, so I won't linger on it, is the 24, 22, yeah. or 23 Yeah, it's not that so, bad. I think it's... Which, might is, which be, is what Arrow is, right? So, yeah, it does feel like a little bit of a chore. I, there's a lot to be said for a show that just, you know, is punchy and gets to the point. Yeah. You mean like Peaky Blinders? Uh, it's got Killer Murphy in it. It's really good. Peaky and I think Blinders, it's... Okay. I think it's only got... I think it was something like... It was either six or eight episodes, I've forgotten, and it was really... Each episode was about an hour, and it was really mm. succinctly well it's been, done. It's been well-reviewed. Yeah, that's, it's awesome. Mm. All right, well, let's move on. Let's do some big-ups. I would like to big up Gavin, because it was his 30th birthday. Yay! 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 Yay. Imran? The, uh, I think the Liberation Frequency would like to doff our collective hats to the memory of Harold Ramis, who very yeah, sadly passed away yeah, very, yeah. very recently. So, um, For those of you who don't know who Harold Ramis was, shame on you, but he was Egon. the other... Well, I was going to say the other, but Egon from Ghostbusters. Um, he also wrote and directed and produced a lot of movies, including Groundhog Day. Um, he did six movies with... Um, Bill Murray, didn't he? Is it six? Six, yeah. Is it, uh, is National, it Van- is National Lampoon Vacation, one of his? Yes. yes. And Caddyshack. Caddyshack, yeah. So these are classic American comedies from the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. Big up to Hal Remis. Big up yourself. Aye. So that brings us to our main topic. Film, cinema. And um, let's start with what's the most recent film we've all seen in cinema? Gavin. Hunger Games 2. <laughs> Catching Fire, the second one. Catching Fire is the first one, isn't it? What a treasured no, no, moment it is. It is, it, is. it is Catching Fire. Is that the second one? Yeah. Okay. Well, what's what what the, the spoof version of that called? The Starvation Games. Starvation, Starvation Games. The Starving, Starving Games. games. <laughs> um, Hunger Games Catching Fire. Yes. Um, what about you, Dan? Monuments, man. Okay. 
What about you, Imran? It's Pacific Rim. Oh, yes, that's right. It's not that bad for me. Uh, for me, it was also the uh, Hunger Games Catching Fire. So, What did you think? Well, I'm not going to talk about the film. I'm going to talk about the cinema experience, hmm. right? Because I think that's quite important to, uh, to talk about. I've decided that my favourite theatre cinema in, in London currently is The View, Westfield... Stratford City, right? For two reasons. One is it's actually easier to get there than the one in Shepherd's Bush, even though the one in Shepherd's Bush is geographically closer. It's quicker just by, by, by tube. It's just a, you know, probably only about, about, about 10 minutes, but it's still easier. And secondly, the quality of the screen, maybe it's a newer cinema, they have 4K screens, and the angle of the seating is such that you can sit anywhere in the theatre and you'll have an un- unobstructed view. And wow. the cinema projection quality is noticeably better. We've seen two films there in the last two months. But is it digital? Um, yeah, yeah, it's digital. But that's, it's not just that. I mean, a lot of the theatres in London have been digital for quite some time. Yeah. But to me, this, was, this place is noticeably better quality than most. They must have some newer projectors or whatever they've got in there. But the cinema experience there is very, very good. My only issue with it, the downside, but this is true of all cinemas across the world now, is it's very clinical. The the grandeur of going to the movies has gone. It's just a box with a really good quality screen. Arguably, that's all you need, but okay. But the kind of, to counter that, so when I saw Monuments Man, I was in the Odeon West End, and again, like pretty much most of the cinemas in Leicester Square, they're quite old school. They're they're pretty beautiful. They're you know they're amazing, but they're freaking uncomfortable, especially if you're like you know slightly above average height. So I find I find the leg room in all of them is horrendous. Worse if you're above average fat. <laughs> I can't imagine what that experience would be like. Well, I can because I probably am. But are you talking about the Empire Leicester Square where we? Well, the em- the, em- the Empire was. Is one of the is is probably worse than the Odeon. Yeah, as, as we discussed on the previous podcast. Yeah, um, it's just so cramped. Imran, mm. what was your what was the cinema experience like for you? Well, I I seem to have, have hung around too many South London cinemas, so now I, I you I should go I, in occasionally <laughs> and watch a film, other than just pimping for trade. I want money. It's weird, um, but I, uh, I I want ushers in my cinemas. I want ushers in my cinemas. Ah. Well, there is... Okay, so there's at least one cinema in London where you can have that. Tell to me. This Two, actually. Immediately. The Electric in the electric Cinema in Portobello, I believe, right. still has ushers. And the Odeon... Uh, what's it called? The Odeon Experience in, in Queensway. So there used to be an, a series of Odeons in the Whiteleys on the top floor. Um, and they've turned that into a like a dining and viewing experience. So you can actually go in and eat dinner and watch a movie. Lovely. And I believe, so you have waiters and waitresses and stuff inside <clears throat> the thing. And I think they have the same at the electric as right. well. So I saw Robocop at the IMAX, uh, the remake. And the IMAX, I think, possibly has the, the least leg space. Even though it's awesome, I love it. It's probably got the least leg space of anywhere in London. Which IMAX? The one in the Waterloo? Waterloo? Yeah, the main, well, the big one. So, so um, but just to add to that, though, um, like, View, I, know, I don't know about the other ones, but View definitely has a extreme experience or whatever it is you can True. you can eat and drink in that but I've never done it so I don't know what that is like screen on the greens is nice because 
they actually you can have seat service, bar service, and food service. They, they Which is what you're looking for. No, 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 no. I, I'm sorry, I was unclear. The the, the the ashes were because of people putting their feet on the seats and talking on their phones and talking to their friends and texting. Oh. It's too much. So you want discipline? I, get, I want discipline. I want an usher with a cane and I want them to <laughs> But And then after that, we'll watch a film. But is that not but. also down to the kind of films you go to see? <laughs> I don't think really? I have a pattern because anymore. At all. I, I think I saw two films last year: uh, Pacific Rim and Iron Man Three. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. Okay, they they yeah, are the yeah. exact definition. <laughs> yeah. It depends what time you go and Big see. Robot things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I think we're, uh, to talk about clinical cinemas, I think we're quite spoiled in London because we do have the options of going to the Prince Charles Cinema or doing. You know, fun stuff where it is a bit more personalised or customised mm-hmm. visits. But um, what you mean, like um, what's that cinema on the rooftop thing that they do, or the or the outdoor screens during the summer? Yeah, or any, any of that stuff. Um, but in uh, other cities in the UK or from the sticks, I mean, like it's in shopping centres in probably a lot outside of the city because that's where the parking. Is industrial I mean, estates. That's, yeah. that's really where probably a lot of people go to see their their. Well, here's a question: the is, Do you think people care? I don't think people care enough. Because, what? All right, now obviously I hark back to a time much more ancient than the rest of everybody here. But when I when I was a kid, back when, back when the talkies just came out. Right. One of the things I, coming I, to with the screen, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again. One of the things I used, always used to marvel at in my little child brain. So I went to see Star Wars in 1977 at this uh, um, at the Gormont State Theatre, which at the time was the biggest cinema in Europe. It had a two tiers. It had a seven keyboard, seven layer keyboard uh, uh, organ. Um, pipe organ that that my local greengrocer would play. Um, he was the coolest greengrocer ever. So like, you, you know, you see, we we knew he was the he was the organ player at the cinema, and he would like it would come, it would rotate and come rising out of the floor, and he'd play the intro music and stuff, and and like, entertain music stuff. for Star Wars. No, but he'd play stuff in between. Um, oh, right. Because wow. that was back when you still had a film before the film, right? Yeah. <clears throat> while people were getting their sweets from the usher. <laughs> You know, this this harkens back to a golden age of cinema. I'm I'm glad I'm old enough to remember it. Um, But anyway, one of the things I used to marvel at back then was the curtains would be would open. You'd watch the preview film, the adverts and stuff, and then they would close, and then they would open again, and they would keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going, and and the screen was twice as wide. And in my little child brain, this was like magic. It was like. Wow, they made the screen bigger right now. They it's, still do this, yeah. but they don't close the curtains. The showmanship is gone. Yeah, right. If you used to applaud when the the title was on the screen, yeah. the BBFC uh, title thing. Yeah, then, everyone used to yeah. applaud. And and that whole showmanship of you know the the just just having a guy there playing music or a pit orchestra or or just anything like that. Now it's been replaced with stupid like you can join the quiz on your iPhone. Just play along to do you know what I mean? That kind of rubbish that they have at well, the summer. Well, that's lame. And what's more <laughs> yeah. lame. <laughs> oh, no, you're getting started now. Like the M and M's thing of like 
on the red carpet with with red mm. and yellow M and M's. That's painful. And the orange. But may- maybe maybe okay, maybe if I was a I child, know this is going. I would get the M and M thing. There we go. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin it's Bacon. It's been going on so long. Like, just get uh, off the screen. At least it's painful. I, okay. It's the whole thing. I can't okay. get away. I'm okay. stuck there. The current Kevin Bacon one is more tolerable than the previous Kevin Bacon one. So the first Kevin... Is that, in my, in my head, the, there's only one. No, there's three Kevin oh, Bacon God. ones. The first is one this was the shed him. full of data one? No. Oh, there might be a, a new one. So there was the first That's one was new, him walking but, yeah. down the street and he did, did the whole planets and stuff and whatever, right? Yeah. And then there was the how they're going to get six Kevin Bacons into the cinema. Oh, and yeah. they've got, you know, Hollow Man Bacon and uh, Flatliner Flat Bacon, Bacon and whatever. And now they've got the one where he goes into the cafe... Mm. And he's like, oh, I've lived in England long enough to no, know. No brainer. Yeah, no brainer. Oh, you know, that, that's that one. really annoying. Oh. Yeah. And the conga line one with, with Noel Edmonds in it is, is even worse. No, I haven't seen that. Wow, that's just totally derailed me now. So, <laughs> but, but coming back to the, the old school cinema things, do you remember when, well, of course you do, when they used to have a, uh, an, in, an intermission some of the longer yes. films. Yes, I would. I would go well, okay. for that. Okay. Well, first of all, first of all, all you've got to do is go to the Netherlands. Especially, so they still have an intermission. Does our right films seem film. unnaturally long these days? They as do. Well, I so. mean, Wolf of Wall Street. For God's sake, well, three hours. I could have in European cinemas. So in Germany, at the English cinema, when we put, and this is going back to the nineties, we saw Titanic. That was considered a really long film at the time. It didn't, wasn't it? Three and a quarter hours, and they uh, they paused that in the middle. So the Europeans are still happy to break the film, go out, have a drink, have a cigarette, have a spliff in the case of Holland, come back, have a little... <laughs> Do you know what? When, we first, when I first lived in the Netherlands, it was weird. You'd be sitting in the middle of the film, like, right in the middle, at a random point, normally where you do a real change, they just paused. And it would say, pause on screen. Wow. And everybody would just get up and leave. I remember the very first time I was in the movies, I was like, what, what, what the hell is what's going on? And everyone goes out. But after living there for a few years... You get used to it. In fact, it's great because it means you can go to the loo, have a beer, have a chat. What do you think is going to happen next? Oh, do you think? And and you, you know, and sort of talk about the movie. And then I started to miss it when I moved back. I'll be like, get fidgety halfway just, through the you film. You need that I comfort think, break I, when it's above two hours. I reckon. Yeah, I think I would like that. The only thing I can remember that happening is you know, as a child when they do that. I think they probably still do that with children's films because children need to wee more. Um, <laughs> children and Dennis. Yeah, I was about to say not um, more than Dennis. It was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember there was a break of that. I don't know why I remember that. I love that. But um, I like the idea of have, having a break. And I imagine that would make um, cinema a much better date night because everybody talks about, ooh, date night, or take somebody there for a date, but you don't actually talk to each other, do you? No, but if there was a break, at, at, least, at least you could go like discuss yeah. the film, have some sort of contact like in the middle. <laughs> so, while we're, okay, so while we're talking about the viewing experience, looking forward to the future, do you think this is going to change? Because like, going back to my original point, that, that cinema in Westfield in Stratford City does feel different. It is a bit sterile in there, but and another thing I don't like is they don't completely turn the lights out. Really? No, there's always a little list for safety reasons now. Very few cinemas completely black out the theatre. Even though there's this massive light at the front call of the screen, there's always a couple of lights on, right? But it's safety stuff. They, they seldom black it out completely. Um, it feels a bit sterile, but it is clean. It is, you know, comfortable. So I guess it's a trade-off. But do you think the cinema experience is going to change at all in the future? I don't know. I guess answering your question in a slightly different way... 
will the cinema experience change? Will it will it lose appeal in itself mm. uh, in in regards to sort of streaming, downloading, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? I don't think that. Mm. I, I think that people will still always want to go to the cinema. Right. I think probably the standards are a little different, though. I I I think for me, I just would like to see a film in a big screen. I'd like to think that there will be. Um, at least more choice available. That 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 the choice that we're experiencing in London now would spread out to other parts of the country. Um, so you know the the audience and and uh, views and whatever will probably always be there in, in their same capacity. But I'd like to think that there will be people doing kind of more bespoke type offers and. Um, well, like what? Can you give us an example? Well, like um, well, I'm, I'm actually thinking of where my brother lives in America in Portland they just have like you know beer and food cinema uh, okay. like that kind of thing And can I chime in here with, a, with an experience I've been at a cinema uh, probably called an ale and draft house or cinema and draft house something like that yeah so I went to a cinema and draft house just outside Washington DC actually just outside Centerville Virginia um, I think it was in Manassas uh, I think it might have been like the Manassas uh, ale and draft house and the film I saw there was Kill Bill now it was not when Kill Bill I'm not talking about when Kill Bill Bill came out it was on a repetitory or whatever they call it and um, we went there because it was the Ellen Draft House and it's a, kind of a seedy place it's not but it's you know the the, the, the waitresses had um, you know cowboy boots and quite short skirts and uh, it, was, it was very American it was you wouldn't have expected that outside Washington DC right you it's all like burgers and chili and you know chili dogs and ribs and stuff like that plastic tablecloths it's really like a sports bar and they had three screens one on each wall that wasn't the bar right with projecting in each direction showing the film quite high up above your head so you could just walk around you wouldn't block the screen from anybody right and it was a little bit um the the film was a bit scratchy the the audio was a bit which for that particular film kill bill was absolutely perfect it's probably the most perfect environment you could have seen kill bill in if you get what i mean but were people kind of still because it doesn't sound like a very cinematic environment no, people were watching the movie yeah. people okay. went there to see the film they weren't just but if someone was talking or mumbling it didn't I think because the sound and the vision was kind of above your head maybe they had smaller speakers around everywhere I don't quite remember but I never felt at any point that uh, that, that um, was spoiling the film in fact it just made it better but then of course we were talking about a film that had already been out it wasn't a new release at the time mm. so but that, that's the kind of thing you mean, right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, next question um, is to t- take away where Imran was going. Do you think that our home film watching experience is going to influence how we see films at the cinema? So, for example we have a fairly large screen TV at home. I won't say it's a big screen TV because even though it would have been considered that even five years ago, I know lots of people who've got 50 or 60 inch screens. We've got 40 inch screen and that's not really considered a big screen anymore, I don't think. Um, There are definitely, like we've got a great sound system. We've got a Sonos sound system. Um, I'm very happy watching films at home. Uh, there's a lot of films that I previously once would have said ah, I want to see that in the cinema well now I'm like yeah I can watch that at home Gravity Gravity is the kind of film I still want to watch in a cinema 
Yeah. But a film, for instance, like Ender's Game, I didn't go to see it at the theatre because I figured I'll just watch it at home. Whereas Once Upon a Time, it's like sci-fi. I need to see that on a big screen. I did not feel that anymore. Um, honestly, The Hunger Games, I probably could have enjoyed it as well at home. It needs to be a very, very, very big vehicle now for me to want to see it on the big screen. How I, about you? Yeah, I kind of agree. Um I think it's interesting, I don't know if we're talking about technology, but the whole thing where it projects, they've got that, that projector, if you've got like, I'm just looking at the wall behind you, and that would be perfect for these new projectors, which literally it would actually fill the entire wall. But I, I still think you can't beat a cinema experience, especially, especially IMAX, especially uh, a really big modern digital 3D cinema for a lot of the bigger films. I mean, I, I kind of... It was even strange because Robocop in the IMAX was... It wasn't even 3D. I don't, it's not digital, but just still having that totally immersive 3D experience. And, and also the sound. I mean, I know, you know, Sonar Soundbar is, is awesome, but I still don't think you can beat that entirely, you know, the amphitheatre, surround sound. Yeah, I wouldn't compare the Sonar Soundbar to a cinema. No, system. no. Mm. What about you, Imran? Um, I think the cool thing with cinema is it's it's limited, isn't it? Like if you you can watch a DVD, where as soon as something's out on DVD, you can watch it anytime, five years down the line or anything. Mm. With cinema, it's kind of like you have a limited time to see it. And even if I, I you know, we've said loads of times, I don't get to go to cinema anywhere near as much as I'd like. But when something comes on that I'd like to have watched, like Man of Steel, I really wanted to watch it in cinema. The opportunity went, I didn't get to see it, so I saw it on DVD. And you kind of think, I'd love to have seen that in the cinema. Mm. Even mm. you know, you watch a film now, and you think, I really mm. would like to have seen that. There's the new Godzilla one which is coming out. Mm. I am definitely going to see that in the yeah, cinema. Godzilla's definitely a yeah, cinema, film. and that's yeah. exactly well, the point. I mean, that's that contributes to the Godzilla and, and Pacific Rim. Those are films about giant monsters and giant Absolutely. robots. They've got to be giant, otherwise, how do you? Uh, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I want to see those things bigger than me. Yes, you know. <clears throat> but so, have you noticed something? No, there is a definite. <laughs> really, I think there is a definite trend that there are far more films that are being made with epic effects, three D, yes. that literally are made for the cinema. Yes. Um, and they do dominate cinema schedules. Yeah. Can I come back to that? Yeah. Sorry, Gavin. Hi. Hi. So, I had, yeah, you're... Uh, well, I think one thing that probably cinema has over uh, watching at home is a uh, immediacy in, in the culture. So, if everybody's talking about now, it's, you know, award season, it's all about 12 Years a Slave, I want to go see it now. So I'm just talking about people are talking about yeah. <laughs> and not like I mean yes I can wait and you know yeah, I, I feel the same later, about but. American Hustle I feel the same about The Wolf of Wall Street there are a number of films out that everybody's talking about that I really want to see now and I agree and it's yeah I mean it's even you know to the level of uh, you know people in the office talking about it people uh, talking about it on TV uh, people referencing it skidding it doing whatever and you're just like uh, I need to see it Yes, although interestingly, you're not tempted to download or watch it at home. Because um, I'm not, you see. I, I, I'm not really tempted to do that, not with films. I'm, I'm just not tempted to do that. I don't... I don't, um, I don't know... Um, I, I mean, the, I don't know if this is the first one, that the first film that was done this way, but A Field in England, they released it in the cinema 
on TV, and I think it was on VOD as well. So I think they they sorry, video on demand. Sorry, video on demand. So um, they released it in a way that every possible viewing platform that you could experience this film was done at the same time. And I don't think that had ever been done before. Mm. And I don't know if that's a model. I know I know it's quite a common model in America where you, you would get a very limited cinematic release um, at the same time that it becomes available on mm. video on demand. It's I think that's, would... that's interesting because I hadn't really heard of that before, but it sounds like maybe film is playing about with distribution in the same way that music and artists are. Mm. Yeah. And because there there it there's so much more channels to go down, it's like do you go multi channel all at once? Well one or of the one of the things stagger it is fairly obviously about piracy. Um, if you make it available everywhere it will be less likely to be pirated. Mm. And that's why one of the more recent tactics with the big blockbuster films is to release the film internationally before it gets released in America and it's for two reasons one is because most of the piracy occurs internationally because people living in other countries want to see the films that the Americans have got so you release it everywhere as as widely as you can and that's going to immediately reduce the number of piracy, amount of piracy that's out there secondly the, in, the way the international market responds to a movie is significantly different to the way the home market and the home market being America and the other English speaking countries uh, but mostly America, uh, react to it, right? And if a film comes out in America and it doesn't do well immediately, for whatever reason, it could be because it's up against another movie, it could be because it's been released on Thanksgiving and it wasn't the right day for that kind of film, it could be because there was some disaster that happened, yeah. you know, someone dressed up as Batman and went oh, shooting in the cinema shooting. or yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever the reason, if it fails at the box office in America, that will impact international sales. It goes across the internet, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, those kind of calamities are less likely to happen if you release in 80 other, 80 other countries at once. And you can see that there are films, I'll give some examples, would be stuff like, say, maybe like Titanic, for instance. Titanic was in the cinema globally for, for like a year and a half, like longer than it was in America because everyone else loved it. Do you know what I mean? Americans loved it too. So if you release it internationally first, get the numbers in, you can make back all your costs before it's even released in America, and then it's already got good press. So it's less likely to fail at the box office. So those are those two reasons. But I think the primary one is uh, piracy. You know, it just reduces piracy. So, and then we don't have to wait because it's like you say, we hear everybody talking about uh, 12 Years a Slave. I want to see it now. I want to see it now. I want to see mm. it now. And if, like, I experienced this when I lived in Japan, the Japanese release schedule is like six months behind in some cases. And there were films which came out in the UK and America, which I didn't get to see in Japan for like four or five months. It felt like 1991, you know what I mean? I had to really, really, really wait a long time. And, and one simple reason is not just that I want to see it because everyone's talking about it. I want to see it before somebody spoils it, Yeah, you know? So, And even now, I think there's a lot of possibly the, the, the slightly tier two film, American film releases. You can still get six months three months or a year before they're released over here yes if they go to a, a, a big screen release at all mm. they might not even make it to the big screen here um what i want just wanted to add before we move on for that point the other thing about going to the cinema is the 
communal, the group viewing experience, which I think is quite important to how you enjoy a film. And I've seen, because I lived, I've lived many years overseas, there are some films which I really like that I've seen twice in a cinema or three times in a cinema in different countries. Now, most notable of this would be uh, most the big sci-fi blockbusters, specifically um, Lord of the Rings films and uh, the Star Wars movies, right? Now, I've seen all of the Star Wars films, including the originals and the prequels, but in, in multiple countries. And I can, t- I can honestly tell you that it's a different experience watching those films in an environment <coughs> where people don't get the jokes. <laughs> and people laugh at different things and it's really interesting to sit in and uh, to see what a Dutch audience finds funny and what a, a British audience finds funny and it can totally totally change the experience of the film if you're watching a comedy and people aren't laughing because they don't get it it just doesn't seem as funny it just... it's like like watching a sitcom without a laughter track I guess that depends on the type of comedy, though, doesn't it? Because yeah. could you imagine The Office wouldn't be the same if it had a, had a laughter track? track? Yeah. And it also depends on the type of laughter track as well. Um, but yes, yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. But that communal experience mm. of everybody being frightened at the same time, everybody laughing at the same time, um, I think is quite important. One yeah. of the fondest memories I have of a film in the cinema is American Pie 2. Because it was me and three friends on a Saturday night on a jam-packed <coughs> cinema and just everyone roaring right. with, with laughter. It was hilarious. It's good times. Yes. Okay, so, <laughs> so, 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 so let's go around the table. What uh, similar experiences have you had where you were in a theatre? It's easy call for me, right, as to where everybody found the film funny. I'll tell you what it is for me, Borat. Borat yeah. is the only film I've ever seen in the cinema where absolutely every single person... I saw it in the Odeon Streatham on a Friday night. Everybody was aged probably between 25 and 30 and maybe 25 and 40 at the time. Everybody was laughing in that film. And not a single person was did not find that funny. And that, I think, multiplied how funny the film was. It was and it was genuine. It's a great you know? moment, isn't it? Yeah. To, to watch a comedy, you know. Funnily enough, you mentioned uh, American Pie 2 because I saw that in Holland and that film, those films were hugely popular over there. And it was the same thing. It, I, uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. I can't think of a comedy example, but I saw Matrix in Times Square and I think it was the first film I'd ever seen in America. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, but the thing about it was... It was the whole audience was standing up and shouting things at the screen, <laughs> and it was just incredible. Yeah. I've never, I, I hadn't experienced that. I mean, I think you, you do get that occasionally over here, but I'd never got. They were literally interacting and just <laughs> completing, yeah. and it was it was well, it was electric. Yeah. It was just yeah. nothing. Uh, okay, so similar. I saw the Phantom Menace originally when it came out in America, and. It was obviously, you know, apart from probably being one of the biggest letdowns in film history for most of the, of the fans, but that, but that didn't happen until later. That moment, that opening moment where the crawl goes by and the music, the, the 20th century music comes on, like that was electrifying. People were like, Wah! <laughs> standing on the seat. Do you know what I mean? The your nerd patrollers waited 20 years for this moment, you know, and it was just uh, 25 years. It was just amazing. That and moment. it had the most Un- epic build up yeah. as well. Unfortunately, by the end of the, by the, end of the film, the, the atmosphere was not maintained, but. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Gavin? Well, you have got to hand it to the Americans because I have two examples that stick out in my memory and they're both in the States. Um, the first one wasn't really for the quality of the film. It just made me laugh. Um, it was actually the Fantastic Four when um, Jessica Alba gets in the spacesuit, and like literally when she walks on screen, like all of the men just wolf whistled, shouted, <laughs> like, like, "Yeah, man, boy!" It was like, "Is this for real?" <laughs> and that just cracked me up. But, um, I'm gonna rewatch Fantastic Four. <laughs> I don't remember this Scarlet scene. spacesuit, good. Um, and then the other one was the South Park movie, which I watched in California in kind of the the heart of Silicon Valley. Um, and, oh, I know, um, I know, I see where you're going. <laughs> you know, when Bill Gates gets shot, <laughs> I mean, people were like, oh, it was crazy. Cheering. Cheering. If I saw South Park in the movie in America as well, and there was a similar response yeah, when, yeah. when uh, you know, Very we'll funny. get Bill Gates in there now. <laughs> um, um, yeah, um, well, that's interesting, isn't it? it uh, audience interactivity a, f- a very fond memory of mine when, I, when, when we were teenagers there used to be uh, there used to be a chain of cinemas called the ABCs anyone remember those? They, yeah. They, they, yeah. yeah they kind of more they've gone obviously there was, I think so a lot of them became Odeon or well no they were, they were Odeons and they were ABCs there were two yeah. separate chains and I think maybe they but became Odeon overtook them or they became Views or they became Warner there, yeah. there's been a number of Warner went didn't it yes, Warner it did, became yeah. View yeah. Um, yes true Warner became View ABC became something else and um, there was one on Edgeware Road um, just opposite Paddington Green Police Station and it was one. Of, it was the closest cinema to us that had a late night show now when you're a teenager it's all about the late night show because you're too young to drink in the pub um, but you're not too young to buy some beer sneak into the cinema or better so and it we used to love we'd go we'd like on a friday night we'd pick a showing of something uh that started at 11 and it would be there were you know in the 80s there was that era of cheap stupid horror films like everything from um, lost boys to house do you remember that or wow. or evil dead 2 or return of the living dead F- films like that or or just a more innocent film like ferris bueller's day off or something like that and you know, there, it would be funny. There was just everybody in the theatre was the same, roughly the same age, people having a good time, you know, and you'd, you'd hear stuff from the back, like, you know, it would be a quiet moment, you'd just hear some voice from like, Yo, your bastard Rizzler man, what's going on? You know, and, or, or uh, it, it was just, it was just a great experience. And that, um, you know, that's just done, that's just gone. I, I feel that that's gone. I'm going to move on a little bit. To the type of films that we see in the cinema, you we wanted we were talking before the show about how films have changed, or and about the type of blockbusters um, that we see in the cinema, and the type of movies that are being made. The the whole thing of being able to see a big stupid horror film at the cinema has pretty much gone. You don't get films like you wouldn't get a film like House or the original Nightmare on Elm Street. It you know, they might make a remake to try and cash in on it, but you don't get that level of film, you know, quite silly, ridiculous, over the top horror. If there's a horror, it, it take they they all take themselves way too seriously now. They have to be really, really good to actually sustain a franchise. I think the last the last kind of horror series that that really did well was Saw and and Paranormal Activity. But you, you just hmm. only as a franchise that they can sell on the Halloween 
each year and nothing in between such a mm. shame I agree but I also noticed it with sci-fi it's gone the other way hasn't it with sci-fi. so what you say about the horror films mm. is completely true you don't get those but is that just a change in the type of films we like to watch um, or because what there is a, a wealth of now is big sci-fi vehicles that are with seemingly endless budgets um, every month there's a massive massive sci-fi movie of some kind um, Robocop Ender's Game uh, Total Recall Jupiter's was it Jupiter Rising is that the one that's coming yeah. Elysium uh, Dread uh, I mean all of these films are within the last either coming out within a month or two or in the last year The Avengers I mean they're sort of like all the Marvel films combined <clears throat> right that it, it, there's always a big sci-fi blockbuster in the in the theater now, um, to the point where it ceases to be amazing. Yeah. Anymore, you know, it's like another. There was a time where if a film like Endless Game came out, I'd have been the first person at the cinema to see it. Now I'm not going to complain. I think it's great that we've got, you know, you know, uh, as a as a nerd first class, um, it's great that we've got this level of geeky stuff available. But there is a lot of it, and it it sort of lessens the... You know, when a film like uh, Oblivion comes out, you're like, oh, ho-hum. It's Oblivion, yeah. it's a Tom Cruise film. Another, you know. yeah. And I think the problem is, you, you get you get so many films, this is such a cliche, that, that they are all big FX set pieces, action set pieces, big, dumb, there's so little plot, and yet... People love. I mean, look, I don't know how the whole Fast and Furious franchise. Can I, is still can I just going. stop you on that point because that's not different, though. Because in the eighties, as you just said, it was just a different genre. It was they big horror, but they didn't spend as much money. As I mean, I, that I couldn't comment on. Well, I, I think you've got to a point where okay, you you could have a film like Pacific Rim. Now, admittedly, the the, the storyline is wafer thin and the acting is pretty dodgy. But it kind of sustains itself because it's it's awesome. But you can also get lots of films like oh god, Battleship, just horrendous. But they they'd obviously spent hundreds of millions on making it and the special effects and the, and the story was written well, on the back I mean, of a cigarette well, packet. Well, there's a trend that's new, or is it new? That's a toy marketing thing. I guess I guess it's maybe <laughs> partly as well, like. Yeah. Um, the, you you invest money as long as you think you can make it. So you know they, whatever they were doing um, films wise in in the eighties and like as far as I'm aware, I think Flash Gordon was a flop um, at the time. I think it was. Yeah, yeah it didn't make I the think... money back in the cinema. Really? Um, okay. Waterworld. I think it's great that there are the amount of big budget blockbustery cinema type of films it's just it just it's all indicative of it being a thriving market with lots of money that there is to invest in it the only problem i have is when i do go to the cinema it is for those films so there was a a michael shannon film called the Iceman, which i saw on love films fantastic i never would have gone to the cinema to watch it as a result of everything Mm. that there was to compete with, because there's too much choice because there's too much choice but i can easily sit and watch that comfortably at home okay so here's my question to you would you have enjoyed it more at the cinema it's not that type of film. No, like, right. I don't so, think I would have enjoyed that more. But it, I, if, if so, no foul. To compare Pacific Rim with The Iceman, The Iceman is a far superior film. It's a fantastic it film. But if I'm going to watch one in the cinema, it isn't going to be The Iceman. But how good a film is, I do not think 
necessarily equates to whether or not you should see it at a movie. As we've been talking, yes, it's about, exactly. exper- it's, exactly. it's about experience. Yes, it's about the group experience. You know, and as now, you said, some things you can just watch at home. Yes. And now, I have said this many times on the podcast before. I'm really easy to please in the cinema. I like 99% of the films I see in the theatre because I have this rule. You go to the cinema, you check your brain in at the door. You go in. If you're going to go and see a film like Fast and the Furious, do not bother to expect anything other than nonsense, <laughs> right? If you, go, if you go to see a film like Fast and Furious, you come out and say, well, that was stupid. No, <laughs> you were stupid for spending what money the hell did you to go in there, right? But I think it is reasonable, for instance, to go and see a film like, say, Anchorman, and if you didn't, if you didn't find it funny, even though you were on board with it and you are upset with it, <laughs> right? Fair enough, you know what I mean? But it's very difficult for me to go and see a film like, I say, Anchorman, and not find it funny because I'm ready for the t- that kind of humour, you know? Mm. So I'm, I'm quite easy to please. So probably, to go back to your example of Iceman, I would almost certainly enjoy it at the cinema. Yes, of course. Because I'd be ready for that kind of experience. Interestingly enough is I didn't really enjoy Drive at the cinema, partly because it was overhyped, mm. and I was expecting something quite, quite different from that. Well, if, that- if, I hadn't, if I hadn't known anything about the film... And I've gone and seen it in my other thought. It was amazing. Uh, well, that's a question. What's the last thing that you can remember that you saw at the cinema that you didn't know anything about? You just went along, went along with a friend and didn't know anything about the film? I, I know. Uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. My <laughs> wife. She was so... She was, we have to watch this film. And I was like, it's silly. It's a, it's a thing. I loved it. I completely adored the first Pirates of the Caribbean film. I didn't know a single thing about it. And I sat there and went, oh, it's really good, isn't it? His voice is funny. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I didn't know anything about it. And I thought I enjoyed it. <laughs> mm. I think, for me, it might have been The Devil's Double with yeah. Dominic Cooper. I don't know, it was, it was a surprise how good that film was. I would not normally have seen a film like that in a cinema. Um, but someone had said to me, look, that's really good, you should just go and see it. I'm like, okay, fine. I was out with a friend that night, we went to cinema. And it was really, really good. And, I, and yeah, so I said, it was that. I mean, I'm probably a bad example because quite often I pick, well, I don't so much now, but I used to pick screenings just at random and mm-hmm. then just turn up and, and see what it was like uh, but I think when you're paying the amount of money you are now you tend to it's a bigger commitment to go and see a film because certainly popcorn and coke and everything costs an absolute fortune sorry and we're coming back to that Dennis has obviously got an extra grind on this but I, I absolutely take what you're saying it's really hard to avoid spoilers in trailers TV spots newspapers you know just online reviews media everywhere. reviews especially it's, I think you know when if you do any kind of commute in London you probably have shortlist evening standard metro just in your hands for nothing and they've all got something to say about time out yeah whatever film is out and so i feel i've taken great leaps in being able to not be influenced now because i blanket ignore all of those free paper papers don't look at them i have to have absolutely nothing to read or listen to to pick one of those things up um i when people at work email round trail i will watch one trailer for a film and that's it that's where it stops I like I've always loved trailers but I will watch one for a film I don't want to see trailer number four teaser trailer number two <laughs> TV uh, spot number four yeah sort of mm-hmm. extra long segment don't want to see it okay you know quick I mean? question what was the last trailer everyone saw 
Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Godzilla. Uh, Snap for Guardians of the Galaxy, but closely followed by Spider-Man 2. Godzilla. Um, just back to the the thing that I, I things I have seen at the cinema without without uh, knowing anything about them. The great surprise for me was the orphanage because I knew nothing about it. Rocked up and scared the shit out of me. It's <laughs> amazing that. Um, so that was a good surprise. And then I was like, oh, this is amazing. I should try this more often. And kind of went for your approach. And then um, I stopped that because what I saw was Ninja Assassin and that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Ninja Assassin? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it must have only been in the cinema for like a week. It was okay. shocking. Well, see, now, that's sort of a... The last topic I want to talk about, um, how long it takes for a film to stay in the cinema, leave the cinema before it gets on TV, because that's something that's changed, mm. in, certainly in my lifetime, but in everybody's, but okay, because I'm the oldest here, yes, when I was a kid, when the film had been in the cinema, it did not come to television for five years. It was something and like two was, years before you could rent it, and then another year before you could buy it. Well, I'm well. talking about a time before there was even rentals. When rentals came out, then that started to get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. But you know, when I was when Star Wars came out, it did not go onto British television for maybe six or seven years after that. When Chris, the Christmas Day film was a big deal. You know, yeah. it was a big, big, big deal because it was something that had been huge in the cinema five years earlier. And everybody watched it, you know, because it was the first chance you had to see it again. There were no, you couldn't rent videos. You, I can, we couldn't rent videos till I was like 13 or 14 years old. That's when DV, VCRs came out, right? So now it's the complete opposite. It's like a month. Especially if you've got something like Sky Movies or whatever. I mean, or it's, less, it's yeah. It's crazy how quickly it is. Um, no. But even my mum commented on that on the weekend. She's like, Asher, why would you bother? Yeah. <laughs> Come out in like a month or something. Well, 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 and this is my point. This is a major influence now because, again, back when we were younger, when we were all younger, if you missed a film in the cinema, you weren't going to see it for a while. Hmm. So it's yeah. like, and the films ran for bigger longer. Incentive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You had a much bigger incentive to go to the theatre. Now... It's like, man, I missed it. Like, Elysium, I really wanted to see it. I was traveling, I was in Australia and Singapore at the time, didn't get to see it. I'm like, meh, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll just wait, it'll be out soon. Right? Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, are we approaching in the future simultaneous release? Do you think that's going to happen? Are we approaching a time where it will just come out on TV and on rental and in the cinema at the same time? I think that the, the, the whole video on demand thing is definitely already happening. There's a lot of films, not so much over here because we don't have as many platforms, we're still catching up with the States, but there's a lot of films, especially a film where they know it's not going to make huge amounts of money in the cinema. They have to maximise the commercial potential. So literally, it goes out in the cinema for, for maybe a day and then is released on VOD. Um, and I think that that is a model certainly for films which aren't the huge blockbusters. So it'd be interesting to see if a film such as you know Gravity would actually release multi-platform. I, I don't think it will. But okay. Well, let me let me throw this idea into into the mix for something to think about. Doctor Who, the seventh, the however fiftieth anniversary, whatever it was, yeah. made ten million pounds at the box office. 
and it was wow. released on the same day that it was on television at the same time it was a one-off showing at the cinema uh, as it was released on TV and it made 10 million quid now obviously that was something very very hyped very very keen fans very, very but that definitely mm. proves because they did not spend 10 million pounds making that show no. <laughs> <laughs> I know how much it costs to make television that, and that was not 10 million pounds worth of television right so that that proves that if you do it right, you can release something, and 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 this was a TV show to the big screen, as well, which is which is interesting. It's not even like it was a film that was shown simultaneously on television. It's yeah. the other way around. So maybe that's what the future holds. A can I mention more. a tiny bit of beef? It's a slight segue, but we obviously spoke a lot about Anchorman and Anchorman Two. So I I saw Anchorman Two in the cinema, loved it. Um, it had a really good run, did did pretty well, mm. and now it's coming back in the cinema as an X-rated cut. <laughs> really? Yeah, Is it? really. And I'm kind of like, I feel, I, I'm kind of happy in a way because of the cast and who it's made by and how much I love the film, but I also feel a bit cheated because it's now like, you know, it, it's, it's a bit like the thing with, with music box sets, or any any special edition yeah, or something, or, or like just as the, the the soundtracks for a film like Star Wars, where he keeps releasing another one. Yeah, exactly. Know. So where you're a loyal fan and you jump in there first because mm-hmm. you want, you know you want to experience it, and then lo and behold, the casual fan who didn't buy it gets the special oh, okay. edition. Now, I've no idea. It's the first time now that you mentioned the first time I've heard of it. But I would think from what you said. I mean, no, you know, this would be a case where the X-rated could have significantly different content. Yeah, than the actual I, I actually, movie. I did read about it. There's over like a hundred, I think, well, well over that, a hundred more gags. So it does seem like it's quite different in this instance. Yeah. But I know exactly what you. It mean. might not necessarily be better. We don't know mm. that, but mm. I, it's kind of frustrating. And they've done that quite a few times in America. They're they're very big <coughs> on the unrated cut. Right. More in a sense for your Blu-ray. And of course, but the fact that they're releasing it in—I mean, the only other example I can think of like that was Goldmember, where if you look at the outtakes, the, the deleted scenes—they're <laughs> hilarious because Mike Myers would do a take every time he'd do it differently, and like he was literally ad-libbing all the way. And half the time, the reason it's cut is because his co-star in the scene didn't know what to expect and they just keep laughing <laughs> and they do it again and he says something different they do it again and say something different and you can there's very few deleted scenes that I'll watch all the way through but that's like there's a whole series and they're really 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 good and I can imagine Anchorman is identity is exactly exactly the same as yeah. that where he's just done loads of stuff you know. well a lot of it was ad-libbed so that's probably why but sorry, I, I do have to mention the reverse of this which I've already alluded to is the fact you get the uncut version of films when they release on Blu-ray because they've dumbed down a film. Like, I was really, really upset that, even though I loved it, um, when World War Z, when I saw it in the cinema, was the was obviously the PG-13 version with no blood. You would see things hacked off, but there'd be no blood. You wouldn't actually see the... Right. It, it was it was incredibly frustrating. And then when I watched the, um, the Blu-ray uh, uncut version... It was just so much better. It was so, and I and I I feel robbed because I feel robbed for other people because a lot of people went to see that film and moaned about it and moaned for a variety of reasons. And I kind of feel upset because if they had actually put the blue, you know, put the uh, eighteen certificate version on the big screen, most people who saw it would have had a different opinion. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the 
the I've got two things to say about that. One is that sometimes the version that they the change in version isn't always because they dumb it down. Um, or rather, the, the the scenes that come out are not always because they dumb it down. It's because the film is just too long. And there yeah. is a little bit of math which says X number of people will not go to see the film because it is this long. And they, they trade that off against the value of what they've cut out. Simple as that. Um, that uh, And the second thing I want to say is that we directly had an experience of that recently because we went to see a test viewing of uh, Paul a couple of years ago. Yeah. And... It was incomplete. The film hadn't been finished in the edit yet. And we afterwards, we had to... So Paul is a film with uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. And afterwards, we there was a question-answer session, wasn't there? And they yeah. had to fill out... You know, we had to fill out a form what we thought this, that, and the other. And they asked a few questions. Blah, blah, blah. And then the other night... When I, now, I've not... I don't know about you, but I've not seen the film again since. But the other night, sort of flicking through the channels, and it was like, this is Simon Pegg and Nick Frost on the screen. I'm like, what, what the hell is this? And it was Paul, and it was the end of the film. Completely different from what we saw in the cinema. So, no. like, and so, and when I say completely different, they must have shot new scenes. I know. Well, if they well if they didn't shoot it, then they added it in off the cutting room floor or something. Yes, because it's like the version we saw ended, and then there's another ten minutes. Yeah, of the film. So, um, now I'm curious to see how that film is different from the one we saw. And the problem is. I'll never be able to compare it. <laughs> it because we'll never see the version that we saw. Do you remember actually. any comments that you may have made about it? I do, yeah, I do remember a couple. I felt that um, there were a couple of scenes with Sigourney Weaver that felt like they were shoehorned in, like that they didn't really quite know what to do with the the how to how to bring Sigourney Weaver into the film at the end. But that, that's about it. There are a couple of very funny scenes in the film. Speaking of editing, I'll try and make this brief. What what does kind of annoy me is you go and see a film that you've really been looking forward to and you can actually see that it's been edited within an inch of its life to get it to a certain runtime. Mm. Even our entire characters, subplots, whatever, you're taken out. And yet, nowadays, you know, you, you get most films will happily like Desolation of Smog or... Um, Wolf of Wall Street will be three hours and you kind of think well you find out about how much stuff's been taken out that you would have loved to see and you're like well hang on why on earth did the studio make that decision because they wanted it to be 90 minutes or something that that really messes with my head and I really feel ripped off mm. um, I guess it I mean I guess it doesn't <clears throat> depend and I don't know the answer to this does it depend on the demographic that they're aiming the film at and how much they're prepared to pay for the film mm. so for instance mm the kind of people who will go and see The Desolation of Smog, for instance, and maybe this is a bad example, are prepared to spend 18 quid to go and see it. Therefore, they can have the film run longer because the theatre will make the money back because they'll show less showings of it in a day. Yeah. However, the kind of people who might gonna, who are going to go and see... like You'll notice that Pixar movies, kids' movies, are seldom more than 90 minutes. Yeah. Number one, because kids can't stay in the cinema that long. And number two, is because they want to turn over as many of them as they can during the day and you what the kids yeah that sounds brutal um, and you you know a 90 minute film you're going to have be able to fit one more showing in than if the film is an hour and a half uh, sorry an hour and a half that's 90 minutes and then if the film is two hours so 
So that brings us, I think, to the end for now because we could talk on and on for ages. Final conclusions. Uh, I don't want to conclude yet. I want you to tell us how you feel about snacks at the cinema, Dennis. <laughs> That's a fantastic point. I think we should. Okay. Have, I would think we should have a snacks outtake. Right at the okay. End. <laughs> wow, this is a real thing. Why? Why do they do that? Why? Why, Dave? Dave. The do you know what? Okay. In in the View Cinema, right? And it's not just View. View aren't even necessarily the worst one. You go to the cinema <laughs> and you look, and they've got this screen right up there, and it's like today's special offer. Uh, the meal deal for two, only eleven ninety five. Two popcorns and two waters. Yeah, it's pathetic. Something like it'll be something like that, right? Yeah. It'll be three pound fifty, four pound for a popcorn, a small, right? And a bottle of water. And that how? How? How does that happen? The, do you know the price of popcorn, right? The amount of popcorn that fits in a popcorn container is the equivalent of about a penny's worth of corn in your hand. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> if you buy... Well, at the, it, it, right, if you went down to the supermarket to buy a pack of popcorn, the, the stuff that they sell, it would be like a pound fifty for, for a popcorn thing, right, that you put in a microwave. But if you actually went... If you, if you work it out by the value of the corn, it's probably a few pence, right? The cardboard cost, probably costs more than the, than the corn. Right, so the actual value of this entire thing is about five p, and they sell it for like five pounds. It's the biggest <laughs> rip off. The water, right? They're selling you a bottle of water for like two pound fifty or three pounds. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But to make maths worse, you've got to queue up in the same line where people are buying tickets for the cinema. Tell me this. Riddle me this, Imran. Riddle me this. Why have the cinemas closed? The box, the, the box offices and make you pay for your tickets at the same place where people are being stunned by the prices of the food. <laughs> We've all seen it. You get a yeah, can I have a hot dog and uh, some popcorn and a, and, a, and a packet of minstrels, please? Yeah, that would be £25. Pounds. <laughs> and there's like a pause and a what? <laughs> Maybe they're hoping for the impulse purchase. But the thing I'll is... I get really annoyed because it always feels like a missed, <coughs> a missed opportunity. It's not only the cost. I mean, okay, popcorn's popcorn wherever you get it. I'm sure there's, you know, better in some cinema chains. But it really annoys me because sometimes I end up, you end up going to the cinema, you know, straight after work. You haven't eaten. Like, they never give you any, like, it's always a really dubious looking hot dog. Oh, that yeah, you know. Yeah, you, you know you're not going to enjoy it. Those or nachos dogs. with the horrible kind of instant liquid cheese. They can't even give but, you, for the, for the amount of money, they can't yeah. even give you something. How much is a hot dog? <clears throat> About five quid, six okay, quid. Exact same hot dog in Ikea is a pound <laughs> the exact same I don't think dog. they do the foot long ones in Ikea though I know the ones you mean so you buy two for two and you yeah. two pounds yeah, I agree I agree and frankly it's easier to deal with yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like come on I mean you know the only thing you can get of fairly decent quality even though now you can get them in all Stores is the ice cream, you know the ice cream. No, whoa, what? Whoa! I was at the the View Westfield and I was taken by uh, by madness. It was like (laughs) it was like a a mist and ether in the atmosphere (laughs) that came upon me. And whilst I was waiting for for Gavin and Piot to go and get the 
the tickets for whatever it was we went to see. I don't remember. I thought to myself, oh, look, it's a Ben and Jerry's ice cream shop. I'm going to go and get myself an ice cream. And I walked away with a tub of about probably about 125 milliliters or half a mug's worth, which cost me £4.50. <laughs> which is like, I could have bought six times the amount of Ben and Jerry's than if I'd just gone across the street to Sainsbury's. <sighs> right. Uh, thank you for letting me get that out of my system. Actually, okay, so that was um, that was the podcast. Um, I'm not sure we really spoke about the future of anything, but hey, um, Imran. Yes, uh, during the whilst the liberation frequency looks to the future, as only a nostalgic music fan over thirty can do, he looks to the past, and we have a couple of music articles that relate to the past and lost experiences for music fans. So you might enjoy it if you give it a read. Great. Well, thanks for that, Imran. So, Dan, where can people find you? Uh, Crouch End, and also on Close Up Film, Imran. Uh, uh, Starpoint Radio every Sunday morning Gavin anywhere sparkly possibly with a tranny okay (laughs) and you can find me on the ground level podcast oh yeah I'm on that I'm on that I'm on that and with that uh, I think it's time to say goodbye everybody say goodbye bye everybody bye bye see ya be more enthusiastic Imran bye you've been a really good friend That's Anakin Skywalker, by the way. Bye, Freepy. I might come back to fix you one day. (laughs) I'm off to be a Jedi. Bye. (laughs) I've been a really good friend. You mean like Peaky Blinders? (laughs) Did you watch Peaky Blinders? No, No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, accident. (laughs) Yeah. It's Northern Ireland. Oh, no, I've got lost it now. It's got Sam Neill. I've never had it. (laughs) 